0: All right, let's kick things off. Happy Monday. It is Sportsnet today here on Sportsnet 960. The fan, Logan Gordon, along with you from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios in Calgary, Alberta, for our good friends at Doug Lacey's Basement Systems. Crack Foundation, Boeing Foundation, Walls, they have a simple permanent solution to stabilize your foundation contact Basement Systems. They're all things Basement-y. Visit them at dlbasementsystems.com. Alongside my outstanding producers, Cam and Taylor, this afternoon. A busy program for you. we got two hours of Sportsnet today coming your way before Pat Steinberg has Flames Talk at 3. Pat will join uh, this program in Hour 2. We'll talk about the Calgary Stampeders and a disappointing result once again for the team Against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Also coming up this hour, we'll chat with Peter Klein. You know him, you love him as a uh, occasional voice here on Sportsnet 960. He's got his own podcast, The Couch uh, Potato Diaries. And uh, we'll get some UFC 292 reaction uh, from PK. Also talk about the Okotoks Dogs and their championship season as he was one of the voices of the Dogs this summer. So coming up with that, uh, looking forward to hearing from PK as well, Patrick Dumas will join myself and Pat Steinberg in hour two uh, for an in-depth look at the Stampeders' loss to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. But so starting with what happened this weekend. Before we get to that, though, hello Cam, hello Taylor, good afternoon. How are we this afternoon?
1: Good, buddy. How are you?
0: Living the dream, Taylor. How are we? Doing good. How are you? Oh, just absolutely living the dream. Uh, spent the weekend. Spent the Saturday, as you guys know, we were being uh, power out for a special edition of Sportsnet today. At the Shaw Charity Classic, it wrapped up uh, on Sunday in dramatic fashion. We'll get to that in just a couple of seconds. We had Blue Jays baseball all weekend long. Another strong Sunday performance from the team. If only they could spread it out over three games in this series, then maybe we'd feel a little bit better about the Jays. But uh, let's start with uh, Canyon Middles Golf and Country Club. The Shaw Charity Classic wrapped up on Sunday, and uh, it was a long journey for one Ken Duke to get to this point, to get to a victory on the Champions Tour. And as you hear here, as he sinks to the tournament-winning putt on 18, just how excited he was to finally get that victory. Yeah! There it is. Career start number 100, victory number one. Ken how, is the champion. How about that reaction? How cool is that? Yes, 100 appearances on the PGA Champions Tour for Ken Duke. And now finally has a victory in his hands. The 54-year-old golfer from Palm City, Florida, taking a clutch four-foot putt on 18 to win his first ever PGA Champions Tour event in his 100th career start. He uh, gave a big fist bump, gave his caddy Marvin King a high five, uh, excited to come back to Canada and pick up a win. He was battling with the likes of uh, Tim Petrovic from Austin, Texas, who carried a two-shot lead into the final round of 54, but wasn't able to get anything going. He finished with three birdies and two bogeys to shoot a 69 on Sunday. And and really, what a a tip of the cap to to Chris Dorn and everybody that put on uh, the Shaw Charity Classic at Canyon Meadows Golf and Country Club this weekend. If you didn't have a chance to get down there, start planning for next year. It's an incredible event, the setting... The venue, everything about it just worked out. Saturday, not as warm as some of the days we saw last week, but perfect for golf. There was a ton of people there. You were checking out the fan zone. So many different experiences, getting a chance to walk along with Mike Weir or go to the Legends of the Skins game uh, Skins game that we had presented by Rogers with Mackenzie Weger and Cassie Campbell-Pascal. Just to name a couple of the, the legends that were participating on the weekend, it really was uh, a ton of fun. It was another great success raising money for local charities in Alberta. And the golf is as good as it gets. The venue's as good as it gets. Uh, if you haven't had a chance to get down to the Shaw Charity Classic uh, this year or beforehand, start making your plans for next year. It really is um, a must see on the Calgary sports calendar. So, again, congratulations to Ken Duke on the victory. Congratulations to Chris Dorn and everybody else involved, the thousands of volunteers that helped make it happen. Uh, You guys put on a tremendous tournament, and we can't wait to be back with you uh, again next year at Canyon Meadows Golf and Country Club. Uh, So that was one storyline on the weekend to watch in the world of sports locally. Of course, here on Sportsnet 960, we're also dialed in on the Toronto Blue Jays. They're trying to chase down an AL wildcard playoff spot, a bit of an iffy start to their series against Cincinnati. Just one run in their first two games against the Reds, but they managed to come out with a win in one of those games before Sunday in the top of the fourth when the Jays offense would break out against the Reds.
1: 1-1. One, Shed one. barrels up a ball to right field. Hopkins on the track. See you later! Third home run for the Blue Jays today, and first one back for Bo Bichette. His team leading 18th of the year. It's 6-2. 2-2. Bell hits a ball hard to left field. That turns around, steer. That ball's out of here. Two homer game, branding Belt. The Blue Jays go back to back. It's seven to two, and it's a derby day in Cincinnati for Toronto. A one.
0: Springer slams a breaking ball to left, and that ball is gone. Third home run in four batters for the Blue Jays. It's nine
1: to two. They just won't stop hitting homers today in Cincinnati.
0: No, they wouldn't. Uh, that would lead to a 10-3 final on Sunday. Jays take down the Reds and take two of three in that series. Bo Bichette with the home runs. You heard Brandon Belt with a couple as well. Kevin Kiermeyer got in on the action, and it was a very solid performance from Hunjin Ryu. Five innings, four hits, two runs. None of them earned over seven strikeouts and one walk. Hunter Green takes the loss for the uh, Reds. He gave up 10 hits, eight earned runs in just three innings pitch, Bowden Francis with uh, the save, technically, coming in, uh, three innings pitch, not really, uh, when you're up seven runs, but uh, get some good work in for the Jays, who continue to battle for that wild card spot and have a very important series coming up now against the Baltimore Orioles, and they may have to do uh, damage against Baltimore without one of their key players, and that is Vladimir Guerrero Jr., he exited the game on Sunday, dealing with middle finger discomfort and not sure how long it's been battling for Vladdy, We did get a shot on the TV side of things that showed his uh, finger being wrapped up uh, when he took off his batting gloves. So clearly something that they've known about, but uh, no word yet on if it's going to require an IL stint. Is he going to miss a significant amount of time with it? All we know is that this series against uh, Baltimore coming up, very important for the Toronto Blue Jays. Who are all of a sudden in a, a battle for that wildcard spot? As we talked to you today, they are out of a playoff spot. They're a half game back against Seattle, who is seven and three in their last ten. They've won six in a row and have overtaken Toronto for that final AL wildcard spot. So the Jays have some work to do, and they have to get it going against a team that they have not had much success against this success against this year, and that being the Baltimore Orioles. Baltimore Playing good baseball themselves lately. They lead the AL East right now with a 77-47 and 47 record. They're 7-3 in their last 10. They've won three in a row, and they're off as well today getting set for that series in Baltimore tomorrow uh, against the Blue Jays for three in a row uh, from Baltimore. And look, Jays now looking at a UC Kikuchi start, uh, which is good news for them. Kikuchi's been strong all year long, but they've got to find a way to get some uh, wins against the AL East, that's going to be key, obviously, in this series. And then late as we head into next month, uh, a couple of key series down the stretch for the Toronto Blue Jays against Tampa Bay, against New York. Uh, if They want to find themselves in that playoff spot, and boy, they'd better find themselves in that playoff spot. We've talked about how it doesn't really feel like an AL wildcard win would be anything for the Jays this year, given how high expectations would be talk about if this team misses the playoffs and it's a real possibility right now. They are trailing Seattle as I mentioned. Missing the playoffs not entirely out of the conversation for the Jays at this point. Uh what a massive disaster that would be for Ross Atkins uh and company because it just this is a team that had much higher expectations hasn't lived up to them to this point this season. But we're talking hopeful for multiple playoff wins if you're the Toronto Blue Jays this year and as we sit here Late August, the team looking outside of a playoff spot. And Taylor, uh, you bring our Jays report every single day. Big win for the Jays on Sunday. Good to see the offense get going, but still a little bit worrying. Seattle's been good lately, and now the Jays are out of a playoff spot. I mean, Seattle sold everybody off because they weren't going to make the playoffs, and now they're (laughs) in the playoff conversation. Yeah. Which is slightly concerning to me. And I hope that the Blue Jays don't mess it up. <laughs> yeah, and look, it's it's frustrating because you're right, Seattle was a seller of the trade deadline. Since then, all they've done is win baseball games. They are in Chicago to take on the White Sox tonight, but I just mentioned it there. They've won six in a row. Uh they've been on fire recently. Julio Rodriguez has gone crazy. Uh, they'll turn to Luis Castillo on the mound tonight. He's been great for them, nine and seven with a three point two three ERA. And look, maybe that, maybe the sense of being out of a playoff spot brings some urgency to this Jays group. But man, still a lot of the same old problems. And yes, they did score ten runs on Sunday against the Reds. That's great news. But like I mentioned, the first two games they scored one run, and that's kind of been more of the constant for this Jays team that they've struggled. Uh, as they have all season with runners in scoring position or even at times to get runners in scoring position. uh, That's got to change down the stretch or else maybe we are talking about a team that misses the playoffs and I don't even want to think about what kind of changes could be coming to the Jays if that does uh, come to fruition. A team with, let's be honest, legitimate playoff and maybe even World Series expectations heading into the year. uh, Not making the playoffs would be a a total failure for this Jays organization and the 40,000 plus that have been at Rogers Center a lot of nights uh, to cheer on this team. So they're off today, coming off two wins against Cincinnati, but back at it tomorrow for three straight in Baltimore. All of them. 507 first pitches, except for uh, a little bit later on in the week uh, when they uh, turn to a, a different series, I believe. We want to make sure they get that right. Thursday, different day. Do, 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 do. Yeah, all 507 first pitches against uh, against Baltimore this week and then uh, in Toronto for a series against Cleveland and Washington to end off the month of August. So all your uh, Jays coverage right here on Sportsnet 960 as we continue to watch for uh, what happens with them as they make a playoff push down the stretch. A little bit of NHL news to pass your way today as well. Uh, Former Maple Leafs goaltender Jonathan Bernier has announced his retirement from the NHL. Shouldn't be much of a surprise to anybody. It's been a while since Bernier's suited up in the NHL, but uh, plenty of experience for the 35-year-old, a 14-season NHL career. that started with the Kings, who drafted him 11th overall in 2006, when he would make stops in Toronto, Anaheim, Colorado, Detroit, and New Jersey, playing 403 NHL games. Traded by Detroit to Carolina after the 2020-21 season, But would not come to terms with the Hurricanes. Would sign a deal with the Devils instead in free agency. Played just 10 games that year and then missed all of 2022 2023 for a uh, hip injury that required surgery. Career record for Bernier 165, 163, and 40 to go with a 277 goals against average and a 912 save percentage. He won a Stanley Cup in 2012 as a backup with the Kings, but did not see any action during the post-season. Uh, as far as the Flames news goes, not much to pass your way. Uh, as usual, if you've been tuned in to, to Flames Talk with Pat as it's back uh, and made its return last week to the Sportsnet 960 airwaves and podcast feed, it's quiet time for the Calgary Flames right now as they try to get some work done before training camp, before rookie camp in Penticton, uh, and everything gets going. Hasn't been a ton of news. I guess the biggest Biggest piece of news that we can kind of share is we did have Mackenzie Weger on last week. Um, Pat talked to him about, look, there's an impending uh, captain's decision to be made for this team. We talked about it a lot here. Fitch Mark Giordano left the organization. Uh, Mackenzie Weger told Pat last week on Talk he would love to be the, the next captain uh, of the Calgary Flames, if that's something that was presented to him. We know that Craig Conroy and Ryan Huska have said to the you know fans and media at different points, they are going to name a captain this year. It's something they feel is important. And now Mackenzie Weger clearly throwing his hat in the ring. And I think he's gone a long way. If you listen to some of the little things this off season to really cement himself in, in Calgary as a, as a full-time guy, him and his wife uh, purchased a house here in Calgary this summer. Uh, he's been huge with our friends at Parachutes for Pets. Uh, helping them out on the local front. That's just one of the many charity events and uh, organizations that uh, McKenzie has associated himself with since coming to the city of Calgary. He was in town for the Shaw Charity Classic. He was part of the uh, Legends of the Game, Skins Game, which was raising money for charity. Him and Mike Vernon teeing up against Stuart Skinner and and Curtis Joseph. Uh, So a guy that's really connecting himself to the city of Calgary and committing to that eight-year contract extension that he signed last season when he was acquired as part of the Matthew Kachuk trade. And I've heard plenty of uh, Calgary Flames fans talk and and hear about um, that they would be very happy to see a guy like Mackenzie Wieger come in and wear the captaincy. I feel like a lot of the Mark Giordano comparables fit with Mackenzie Wieger. I still think there's a good case to be made for a guy like Rasmus Anderson. I feel like Michael Backlund is a name that's still out there, but I, I feel as though that conversation, given everything that's happened this offseason, given his uncertainty, his age going forward, I don't know if that's something that ever comes to fruition. Bax is certainly deserving for all of those things that I just listed about McKenzie, his commitment to the city, um, you know, work off the ice, obviously the work done on the ice. Michael hits all of those categories, but if it's a scenario where Bax is, is okay looking towards a future with a different team and perhaps chasing a Stanley Cup... In the last couple of years of his career, probably doesn't make sense to be the next captain of the Calgary Flames. Uh, Flames organization not keen on short-term captaincy. I mean, remember, Gio went to the Seattle Kraken, was their captain for half a season before he got traded at the trade deadline. I don't think the Flames want anything like that. They want somebody that's going to be here for the long term. And you know right now, McKenzie Weger is here for the long term, based just off his contract, and now, Really, this summer, based on his words and actions, uh, committing to the city of Calgary. So that's kind of been the biggest news around the Calgary Flames the last couple of days. Frank Zoravoli, our initial insider from Daily Faceoff, um, did a DFL rundown that you could find on on their website, kind of breaking down the Flames' summer. Uh, had a bit of an update on Elias Lindholm. I don't want to call it too much of an update um, because it, it is still sort of vague. That uh, Frank essentially saying that Elias Lindholm's Camp is is listening perhaps a little bit more intently when it comes to a a contract extension with the Calgary Flames. So I'll let you interpret that how you will. To me, that doesn't sound like a large piece of news, if I'm being honest with you. (laughs) We're into August. Uh, That contract has been on the table for a while for uh, Elias and home from the Calgary Flames. So I would hope that at some point uh, Elias was listening very intently. Uh, to what the Calgary Flames had to offer because uh, everything that Pat's reported, that Elliot's reported uh, about the contract is that it's a very, very fair contract, very fair value uh, for what Elias Lindholm uh, could get on the open market. So I would hope that his camp's been listening the whole time. I don't know that at this point in August, listening more intently, I, I really don't know what kind of, I don't want to say it's no news, but I just, it, it feels like a a piece of summer news that you kind of get that, you know, is it really an update on things? I, I don't know. I won't go that far. Uh, I'll leave that to guys like Frank and Pat and the guys that that have the, the real inside connections. Um But yeah, is it a real piece of news as to Elias Lindholm's made up his mind one way or another when it comes to the Calgary Flames? I, I wouldn't go that far. Certainly we know Noah Hannafin's name still on the trade block, uh, and the Flames are working I- intently to try to get something done on that front, but we are a couple weeks away from training camp and coming more and more to terms with the fact that perhaps some of those names that we were looking forward to seeing uh, move this summer, Hannafin, Lindholm, maybe even a Backland, uh, might be entering camp still with the Flaming Sea on their chest, and it might be something that gets done earlier in the season uh that's uh really the the news going around the world right now in the sporting world we'll take a break we'll come back on the other side Uh, another event from this past weekend that garnered a lot of attention uh UFC 292 is in the books whenever we chat uh, MMA like to bring on our pal Peter Klein he'll join us next uh he was uh watching the fights he broke it down on his podcast uh Couch Potato Diary so if you haven't checked it out make sure you go and do that or just listen in next plus we'll check in On a championship season for the Okotoks Dogs, PK, one of the voices of the Dogs this summer. Uh, They won their seventh championship back-to-back summers of champions in Okotoks. We'll get all of that and more as Peter Klein joins the program next. It's Sportsnet Today here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Lots to get to with our next guest. You hear him on the radio occasionally here on Sportsnet 960. Filling in uh, whenever we need them, but also uh, check them out on this podcast, the Couch Potato Diaries. If you did, you would have got set up for this weekend's big UFC event, UFC 292, O'Malley v. Sterling. One of being some great performances. No one we'd rather chat uh, some UFC with as we kick off, uh, as we continue our one here on Sportsnet today. Logan Gordon along with you from the Douglas Basement Basin Systems Downtown Studios uh, on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Welcome in our pal, Peter Klein. PK, what's up, pal? How are you? I'm doing well, man. How are you? I'm good. Uh, excited to chat some UFC with you in a minute. But before we do that, I haven't had a chance to uh, talk to you since the dogs went back-to-back in Okotoks uh, a little while ago. How exciting uh, was that for the summer to cap off with a championship?
1: Yeah, it was really cool. Um, and, like, just uh to, to be, well, obviously I didn't play, uh, but to, to be a, <laughs> a, a small part of things, uh, to, to tell the tale, I suppose. Um, yeah, this was a, a really, really fun season. And then to see how much you meant to, to all of the players and some of the family that had come down, uh, it, it was all really, really, really cool. And, um, I'm, I'm happy that it, it went three games so they could do it back in Okotoks and, and all of those fun, sappy things. So yeah, no, it was, it was a, a phenomenal summer if they would have lost 100 to nothing in the final. Uh, but the fact that they were able to to come out as back-to-back champions again is, is pretty sweet.
0: And I always like to encourage people, and you can sort of attest to this, that it's one of those unique sporting events uh, that we get around the city of Calgary. To go out to Seaman Stadium, it, it really is a, a first-class event. The baseball's been so good the last couple of years for the Okotoks Dogs results-wise. But it really is. Just one of those extra fun things that you get outside of, you know, I think you associate the flames and the hitman and the roughnecks as usual with, with the city of Calgary, but the dogs are, are right there as far as what you can go to in the summer and, and get good value for your money.
1: Yeah. It, it the, a great value for your money. And it is uh, a gorgeous ballpark. Just voted uh, the, the nicest collegiate level ballpark in North America. Um, I, I don't know how much scientific data went into that, or if it was just a whole <laughs> lot of people clicking on stuff. But either way, people are passionate about it, and it, it is it is a gorgeous ballpark, and you get some high level baseball too. Like Matt Wilkinson, who was a big part of the championship team last year, started opening day. Uh, he just got drafted by the Cleveland Guardians in the tenth round this year. Um, so you are getting high level baseball being played as well. But no, it is it is a stunning, stunning ballpark, and it is. Just a a quintessential way to to spend your summer, and i cannot cannot recommend enough anyone heading down there um if you can't obviously catch the broadcasts online um but uh, absolutely it is a a must for for calgary sports fans and just thinking about the, this time for people in calgary for for sports like you said like the the flames uh the the stampeders every now and then the the hitman wranglers roughnecks, but also with the, the dogs, the Surge just had an amazing first year. Spruce Meadows is one of the, the nicest sports venues in the world. Mm-hmm. It's gorgeous down there for, for Cavalry FC and then what it's actually built for with uh, show jumping and things of that nature. There's so much great stuff going on in the sports world in this city right now.
0: Uh, so I wanted to bring you on to to chat UFC 292. We wrapped up uh, another UFC pay-per-view in Boston over the weekend. I know you had a preview on uh, your podcast, Couch Potato Diaries. What was your excitement level heading into this one? And I guess, did it live up to expectations?
1: It absolutely did. And I was quite excited uh, going into this one. I, um, I, I know it was a little bit lacking on the, the star power side. Uh, it's, it's not often that the star power of an event is carried by the challenger in the main event but it kind of seemed like that, but there was enough interesting storylines. I was quite intrigued. Do you go up and down the card, whether it's Chris Weidman coming back from a a two-year layoff from uh, a leg break, or you have Marlon Vera, who's the last person to get a professional win over Sean O'Malley to have him fighting on this card to potentially set up that rematch. If the main event ended up going the way that it did. And then Ian Gary, who is, kind of wish.com Conor McGregor right now, (laughs) and I think still finding his own way in that, but obviously he put on a dominant performance, Zhang Wei Li, with a a star-making night, and then in the the main event it was either, oh, Aljamain Sterling is the GOAT of Bantamweights, or you have a new superstar and potential realized. So, in terms of big-name star power, there wasn't a ton of it, but in terms of real-life repercussions and, and what it means going forward, I was very excited with the, the potential of this card and then with how it played
0: out. Uh, on the prelims, too, I guess it was worth noting as well uh, that the, the Ultimate Fighter uh, finale was was taking place. We had a Canadian in, Brad Katona, picked up a win uh, against Cody Gibson. Uh, now, I remember even back, like I'll say five years ago, P.K., I mean, the Ultimate Fighter used to be a really big deal, and we used to get some, some star power out of it. Does the Ultimate Fighter still carry that weight for someone as involved in the fighting world as you are, or is it uh, fallen away a bit given that there's that, there's the Contender Series, and there's a little bit more opportunity for guys to get into the sport now?
1: It, it has fallen away significantly. Um, I, I think that that's why you're seeing things a little gimmicked up, like what they had this year, where it was returning vets against newbies, basically um it's like you said there are more avenues to to get into the ultimate fighting championship now a there's more fighters in the ufc now when they were doing the ultimate fighter initially there was like a pay-per-view every three months now you don't go two weeks without there being an event so the the promotion just has more fighters. So what it means to be a UFC caliber fighter has diminished over the last five years or so, and certainly over the last 10, 15 years. Um, And so because of that, the pool that you're drawing from isn't necessarily as strong, but also as the years went on with the Ultimate Fighter, it became very apparent that the contracts given to fighters coming off of the Ultimate Fighter were more of a burden than anything. Yes, you are fighting on the, the, the The grandest stage of them all in terms of um of mixed martial arts and the the ultimate proving ground as they like to say, but well, there is a bit of an asterisk on that oh, they get a one hundred thousand dollar contract it's a one hundred thousand dollar contract spread out over like seven eight fights, which again is more money than I'll make in that time, but if you are looking to advance your career, you are pretty much locked in to making ten fifteen or fifteen thousand dollars a fight for a while um so you kind of get stuck where like running backs are right now in the nfl where yeah the money looks great but by the time this contract is done what's your earning potential going to be so Mm -hmm. it's it, it has been a i guess mismanaged brand a little bit in that sense where i feel like they could have Actually, taken care of these guys and and really made it a, a worthwhile thing, but they just they haven't and it has fallen off both in in caliber and in in reputation certainly.
0: Well, and speaking of the the contender series, it's worth noting that Sean O'Malley did come out of the contender series and now we, we look at him as a champion in the UFC, uh, a pretty outstanding performance. It's a second round victory uh, against Aljamain Sterling. let's sort of the top of the card PK. What did you make of of Sean O'Malley? and uh, his performance in Boston on Saturday?
1: Oh, just a masterful performance. Um, you, you get Algermaine Sterling kind of coming out of his own, and the the first round will not go down in the record books as one of the most exciting in the history of the sport, but I thought it was very telling as to, to how that fight might play out because the the thought that I had coming into this was a I had picked Sean O'Malley uh, to to win, so it, it went exactly how I thought. <laughs> but I, I thought if if Aljamain Sterling was going to retain his title, it was going to basically look like the fight did, only the exact opposite, where it was going to be Sean O'Malley kind of pressing a little bit, and Aljamain Sterling uh, Sterling uh, just kind of allowing O'Malley to to come into his own world instead it ended up being the champion or now the former champion kind of pressing a little bit. He gets caught reaching it's phenomenal footwork to take the step back. And then the right hand is pinpoint. I had no problem with the stoppage at all, but I, I thought the poise of Sean O'Malley well beyond his years um, inside that cage. That was, it was truly impressive to, to see the patience that he displayed. And then Aljamain Sterling, one of the best to ever do it at 135 pounds makes one mistake and O'Malley makes him pay for it it was just it it was uh, it it put the art in mixed martial arts that's for sure
0: um uh, you you mentioned part of it there but I did want to get more into the stoppage because that was uh, I guess one of the talked about things afterwards and part of me wonders PK if if Rogan doesn't say anything about it on the commentary how many people actually bring it up because I'm with you I didn't have a problem with it I thought Al was just barely holding on and was taking some major, major shots. And I think the referee stopped him from uh, a beating that was only going to continue. But I I, kind of... And I'm not even blaming Rogan. I know what his job is, and I get you say things as you see them happen. But I really wonder if he doesn't mention it, how many people actually bring up the stoppage in that one.
1: Yeah, if you watch that fight on mute, you have no idea that there was any controversy at all. Um, And yeah, like... I, I actually thought, like, the, the broadcast did themselves dirty on that a little bit because they, they went from the punch and then they cut to the final couple of punches. And, yeah, if it was a couple of punches, then you, you let Al Sterling try to to get his wits about him and and grab a leg. But it was several consecutive blows um, that that was rained down. It's just that they edited on the, the broadcast for highlight form. And so when you see the final couple of punches, it's like, ah, oh, well – this guy was a champion and he's undefeated in his last nine. It would have been nice to, to give him a crack at it. But when you watch the, the full thing play out, Hey, I think he was out for a second. And then just as, as gruesome as this may sound kind of got punched back to consciousness. Um, like I, I think he kind of woke up again in the middle of getting punched there. And so I, I had zero problem with that stoppage. If they would have let it go on a little bit longer because it's a, a champion losing his belt, You certainly could make that argument, I suppose, but just just watching that fight, I I did not feel like we came away with an unsatisfactory finish due to a referee stoppage. I I thought it was the right call.
0: What's next in your mind for for Aljamain Sterling? Are we looking at a a repeat of this? Are you going to run it back with O'Malley? Or is there somebody else in the Bantamweight division that you think is, is next for either of these guys?
1: I, I, first of all, I think what should be next for Sterling is rest. Um, He just fought Henry Cejudo in 25 minutes. I believe it was in May. Um, And so to to turn around and fight again here at the end of summer, kind of bookend your summer with two cage fights, I I think the guy just deserves some time off and uh, a chance to to rest up his body a little bit. He has talked about wanting to go to 145 pounds in the past. Um, Now he did kind of address that in the cage on Saturday night, saying that if O'Malley can do that to me, what would Volkanovsky do? Um, Luckily for him, I don't think that's going to be an issue. I I do think Volkanovski now, the champion at 145 pounds, moves up to 155 for uh, another fight with Islam Makashev. And so that kind of opens the door at 145 pounds. So I think whatever fight is next for Aljamain Sterling, there will be gold on the line. If he wants a rematch at Sean O'Malley, I think he is very justified in asking for one Um, in terms of uh, successful title defenses and whatnot. He is up there among the the all-time greats at bantamweight. So I think you deserve another crack at it. If he wants to move up to 145 pounds, I feel like the title is going to be vacated, whether it's a fight with him and Poria, uh, a new prospect coming up at 145. That could be interesting, whether it's Yair Rodriguez, who just lost to Volkanovsky in a, a title fight. I think that's an intriguing one. Um, so I think there's options for Aljermaine Sterling. It gets cloudy if he stays at 135 because his uh, training partner, Marab Devalishvili, is someone who has been on the cusp for a long time and has just said, no, we're not fighting each other. So I'll just keep beating up really good fighters. He can keep beating up really good fighters, and we'll just kind of hang out in this this weird limbo. But now that the uh, now that his teammate is out of the way, I could see Marab going for a title shot here. O'Malley had called out Cheeto Vera. Um, we will see how – I can't imagine Vera sustained much in terms of injuries from his, his fight on Saturday night, but if if Marab is ready to go, I think this kind of opens the door for him, and that's why I think Al takes a, a bit of time off regardless of what his decision is and, and kind of lets his teammate get in there and, and get a crack at the title.
0: Uh, you mentioned it earlier, and I, and I know you tweeted about it as well. Uh, Zhang Li is just – was just better than, than Amanda Limos in, in pretty much everything that she had uh, last night in the uh, Saturday night, I should say, the women's strawweight uh, title belt. Uh, nothing against Amanda Limos; uh, she's a great fighter and obviously earned this opportunity. But I kind of liked how you put it—that everything that she brought to the table Saturday, uh, Zhang Wei Li had an, uh, an answer for and was just better at. Yeah,
1: like, it's one of those ones where, like, and again, uh, all credit to Amanda Limo, she's a 115-pound woman who could kick my ass 18 different ways. (laughs) Um, But there is, there was not one aspect of the sport where she was better than Zhang Wei Li at. And so, like, yes, that there is the potential that her fist connects with her face and down she goes. Or as we saw, you you catch a choke for a few seconds and all of a sudden the, the entire world could change. But it just, it felt like on Saturday night, Anytime Limosh did one thing, Wei Li not only had a counter, but then had two extra steps ahead that would get her into a good spot. It was, okay, Limosh is going to grab a choke. Hey, this thing looks tight. Passes the legs. All right, so now the danger has gone. Ah, I'm just going to fully go into side control and then take your back. And now this turns from a threatening position against me into a threatening position for me. Limosh would land a right. And then Wei Li would be like, okay, this is what we're doing. Goes for the right again and not only avoids it, but then pop, 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 lands three punches. And all of a sudden, she has the advantage on the feet. It, it was a master class. And that's how you get a 267-strike advantage in, in a fight that goes 25 minutes. It, it was just pure dominance from Zhang Wei Li. And, uh, again, all due respect to Amanda Limosh, she she certainly did like work her way into this title opportunity, but I, I think it showed that there are there are levels to this game, and Zhang Wei Li stands alone on hers.
0: Was there anything below the two title fights that you thought was of substance Saturday that was going to make an impact uh, in any way, shape, or form going forward for any of the fighters?
1: Uh, I thought Ian Gary like he this was a, a real star making opportunity for him. Like we said, there wasn't a ton of star power on this, and he kind of carried a lot of the buildup to this. And I get like he. He dominated uh, Neil Magny. I, I was with the broadcast. I thought that he had an opportunity to finish, and that's not just because I was sweating out uh, a couple of uh, tickets that had that fight to go to a decision, and I thought there was no way I was cashing, and it ended up most of them worked out. But um, I, I thought that, even with me sweating it out, that there should have been a finish there. So I, I thought he had an opportunity to really make a stamp and kind of break away from this Connor light shadow that he's kind of been working under he's still again dominant performance turned a very good fighter neil magny into a, a zero-legged man in the nasty contest but i i thought that there could have been just a little bit more there from from ian gary but still an, an impressive win nonetheless
0: uh we got a couple ufc fight nights to get to before our next pay-per-view it is ufc 293 uh, from Australia, Adesanya versus Strickland. Uh, where does the PK excitement level from one to ten land on UFC 293? If ten is uh, unimaginable excitement, and you wish it was here today. <laughs>
1: uh, well, Israel Adesanya is automatically going to get that to about a nine, as it is. He is my favorite fighter to watch. One of my favorite fighters, him and his teammate Alex Uh But the the, the last style bender is certainly someone who will will have my attention and just take all of my money when he's fighting and now he's fighting back in uh his, his uh, adopted homeland going up against um a, a fighter who i don't know if he presents the most um resistance to the, this adesanya title reign it, it kind of well with all due respect to, to sean strickland again he has earned it but it kind of feels like the boxing mandatory Or it's like well it's time for me to fight who's the number one contender you yeah, sure fine <laughs> let, let's go do this um, but I, I think Israel Adesanya is going to have something special planned for UFC 293. So, yes, when when, when Izzy is on the card, my intrigue, uh, my interest gets peaked very quickly.
0: And uh, I, I guess, I know I've talked to you about this a bit, but it, it feels a, a long way off. Are we still excited for, for 295? I know we're talking November, uh, Jones versus Miocic. It feels like such a long way away to have a, a main card with a, a heavyweight title bout on it already for... November, but I, I guess John Jones has that kind of pull in the UFC uh, whenever he's fighting. Probably similar to what you said about Izzy.
1: Yeah, he, he certainly does, and like a, a bit of this has been tainted with the the whole Francis and Ganu. Like I, I get, he's had a fight, or uh, John Jones has had a fight since then. But now, like Francis is in a different organization. He has a fight with uh, Tyson Fury that's been scheduled. So like just be, because we've been reminded of this great fight that we're not getting. It does kind of take away from what should feel like a super fight with the guy who has a very compelling case to being the best heavyweight in UFC history, not necessarily MMA, but UFC history, going up against the single most talented fighter we have ever seen in the sport of mixed martial arts, enhanced or not, um, John Jones if you are someone who can look past his transgressions and admittedly I am not, but if you can, he is certainly the goat. And so anytime you have a potential to, to have a couple of all timers facing off still relatively close to their prime, you get very excited for it. So yeah, no, that, that is certainly a fight that can't come here soon enough.
0: PK appreciate the time as always, pal. Thanks for hopping on with us today. I'm glad you enjoyed the weekend of fights and uh, I know we'll do this again soon, pal. Yeah, of course. Anytime. Thanks, PK. Appreciate you. Peter Klein, primetime Klein on Twitter or X or whatever we're calling it today. Uh, You know him, you love him. He's a contributor here on Sportsnet 960. Has his own podcast. It's called the Couch Potato Diaries. Uh, He had a UFC 292 preview for you. Uh, And if you're just looking to get some sports rambling thoughts from from a guy that you know and love here on Sportsnet 960, that's the place to go uh, to check out PK. He joined us on this Monday afternoon down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar Guest Hotline UFC two ninety two in the books big win for Sean O'Malley over Aljamain Sterling and yes really only one guy to chat to uh, about anything UFC the former host of Combat Central that's before your time cam but there uh, at one point was a show with uh, PK uh, and our friend G-Ron over at six sixty called Combat Central that ran on weekends here uh at sportsnet 960 and had its own little cult following
1: oh i like it this is something i got to learn about some of the more the lore of some of the older shows here at 960 i'm still still getting caught up
0: yeah there's a lot of uh there's a lot of little ones it's like the jays report <laughs> <laughs> sometimes it's here sometimes it's not it's, so sometimes it is Ooh. it
1: is there <laughs> it is it's been there
0: is, it? is that a shot no oh, i'm just goodness. talking i'm just saying it's one of those great things that you listen to and you're going to talk about forever on the Sportsnet 960 airwaves, just like uh, Combat Central. Jay's reports right up there. I like it. You'll have to listen to those. those were really good days. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, yes. Yeah, so again, Peter joining us down the Atlas Peach and Sports Bar guest hotline. Uh, it'll be up shortly in the podcast. If you missed any of it, uh, Google, Amazon, Spotify, your favorite pod catcher, uh, catch all the Sportsnet 960 content. Flames talk, which is back. Uh, for the summer uh, and into the fall as we get closer to the flame season. Uh, you want to listen to the big show with Russick and Rose, Sportsnet Today, uh, all of it available on our Sportsnet uh, family of podcasts. Again, wherever you get your favorite podcatcher, the pods go up moments after every hour finishes here on Sportsnet 960. We will take a break. We'll come back on the other side, jump into hour two. Lots of CFL conversation happening around the corner. Pat Steinberg will join us for the second hour. We'll also... Uh, dive in with the uh, Calgary Stampeders and the Winnipeg Blue Bombers with Patrick Dumas, our Stamps reporter here on Sportsnet 960. He was at the game uh, between the uh, Bombers and the Stampeders. Just uh, another disappointing offensive performance. From the Stamps, we'll get into all of that and more as we roll on to the second hour of the program. It's next here on Sportsnet 960. The Fan.